Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creators and fantastically fun people, Matthew Simmons and Steve Gregson, about what comics they would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, if you enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Matthew Simmons and Stephen Gregson. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Hi, yeah, we're good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's been a it's been a nice day. Um, you know, like the weather's been a nice temperature. Because over the weekend it was just far too hot. But today it was yeah. nice. How about you guys? I think we've had it somewhere in between because it's been far too hot and then it's poured down in sort of increments. Oh, no. So we've never had a nice balance. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Just got from one extreme to the other. <laughs> yeah, we're just both currently baking. So <laughs> we're getting through it. <laughs> nice, nice. Excellent. Well, firstly, thank you so much for being on Comics for the Apocalypse today. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Ah, it's quite all right, um, because um, I, I came across you through the wonderful universe that is Twitter, of course, um, yep. which is a double-edged sword where you have the very worst things in the universe as well as the very best things in the universe. And uh, Bastard Galaxia, um, your creation, is of course one of the most wonderful things in the universe. Um, You can see it, it's on the other side, we know. (laughs) (laughs) So for anybody that doesn't know uh, who you are in the world of comics, what do you do in the world of comics? Well, me and Matt write uh, Bastard Galaxia together. It's been... A project that we had how many years now uh, i guess it's going on for about four years since we started, since we started coming up with the idea and i think a couple of years since we started putting it out there which is it came down from the fact that we're both just big children who both still like toys and kind of had that crushing realization that as adults buying action figures you realize that every show and everything like, yeah, it's just out there to promote these toys so yeah. a movie comes out there's a hundred new action figures of it and people like me and Matt go buy them all <laughs> <laughs> and then we realised how crushing that must have been for our parents when we were growing up that we had to have Casey Jones and we had to have April O'Neil to go with the Ninja Turtles we couldn't just make do with the Four Turtles or Shredder and that kind of spawned the idea for Galaxia so I talked to Matt saying I had a, an idea for a comic but Matt you could probably do uh, just as for how in deep depth my idea was yes steve steve said well, i've got an idea for a comic do you want to help me with it so i said yes thinking it would just be a case of steve showing me his comic and me going oh yeah i like that you know how about doing this etc but basically it was just the name bastard galaxia <laughs> and uh, that was it what um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i like it and we, <laughs> we built it up from there and it's just yeah it's just it is just a uh, sort of a amalgamation of all the things we grew up loving but now sort of like can look back on with a more knowing eye sort of thing so we're still nostalgic for yeah yeah Yeah. so it's kind of yeah it's the story of sort of like um 80s sort of cartoons and action figure lines with this um told through the eyes of uh, the villain um and we just put a lot of stuff from our lives in it sort of thing he's very sort of socially awkward and unsure of himself but because he's 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 got this look of the supervillain. He has to try and fill that role, sort of thing. So he's um, basically he's 
sells out to this big toy company, uh, but his crew aren't allowed to know because he, he thinks they'll all just abandon him. So everything he does now is to take out this one guy called Brosif Manstar, who's just a round idiot boy, um, who's basically that universe's sort of superhero. And he, he wants to take Galaxia in. He's a bounty hunter. Uh, but basically Galaxia has to fight him every week through a contract to make sure more action figures can be sold of their epic quests and uh, historic failures. Um, but all the time he's trying to convince his crew that this is just the cool new stuff they do because they're these uh, high-ranking space pirates and that's just what they do. Um, but he won't let them know where the money's come from. Yeah, we're, we're very passionate about it, as you can tell. It's just all, all stuff me and Steve love, you know, um, all sort of rolled into one so we can, you know, just sort of uh, get it all out there and, um, yeah, find people who have the same interests sort of thing. Oh, totally, because um, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. And, of course, it's available uh, on the website, bastardgalaxia.com, right? Yeah, that's right. Perfect. And then, of course, you can uh, people can follow uh, you uh, on Twitter, of course, Bastard Galaxia. Um, and then, uh, Steve, what's your Twitter handle again? Mine's Robotic Steve. That's the one. Yeah, Robotic Steve. And, of course, all of that is in the show notes. So make sure that you, uh, if you haven't yet, check out Bastard Galaxia um, on, on the website and also uh, follow the guys on on twitter um and then was there anywhere else that you wanted to uh to send people to um i'm on twitter and instagram as sheriff freak or sheriff underscore freak one one's on one one's the other whatever you can find me sheriff freak sheriff <laughs> underscore freak and um bastard galaxia is on it's on all social medias bastard galaxia yeah we try um, to put it everywhere yeah including youtube there's a bastard galaxia youtube where we've got some animations and stuff up there's an animated christmas there. special yeah oh, yeah it's very seasonal right now yeah. <laughs> oh that's want to start getting christmas already um, of course getting the christmas spirit and stuff like that <laughs> bastard that's, galaxia yeah exactly. well we're halfway through the year <laughs> best time to start thinking about it that's a good thing with uh, steve being steve being an animator you know you know, is is uh, he brings the all this you know professional stuff that I certainly wouldn't ever ever be able to have access to any other time. I think, um, you know, that's one of the good things about working with Steve. We're both sort of quite different um, uh, in a lot of ways. Like Steve, I'm I, the other every other comic I produce is, is um, physical. Um, I make a lot of zines and stuff like that. Everything Steve does is very professional and uh, all on computer and stuff. And both those sensibilities together, like you know, make Galaxia stuff. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, um, I'm, I'm afraid um, on that high note, I'm going to bring us down onto a low note because I've got some bad news because oh, there has don't, don't. been an alien invasion. Unfortunately. Oh, God's sake. Yeah. Um, it is typical, isn't it? Absolutely typical. Um, just when summer breaks, there has to be an alien invasion. Um, Every so my first question to you guys is what is your action plan for survival well we've been thinking about this a lot and we've uh you know just because we always prep for the airbag ball and seeing as this was obviously going to happen at some point we've, we sort of got half plan we, we got half a plan um i well i my original plan was to try and make friends with an alien um Steve said that was a rubbish plan. I think I still stand by my statement. Yeah, um, and then the more I thought about it, well, I was, I was, I thought about it a lot more, 
I thought it was a good plan. But then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? I can't be like a, a, a traitor to the human race. I can't live live on <laughs> while the rest of humanity is wiped out. I'd feel terrible. Well, no, no one likes a Gaius Baltar, do they? First of all, <laughs> we point out that humanity mistake number one was us handling it. But that was the, the first problem was someone saying, you know who should go and sort this? <laughs> no, no, I think we just have to survive, don't we? We just have to survive. Humanities, they're trying to, they're trying to sort it. Real humanity is trying to sort it out. We've All just right. got to survive. I'm going to sit in then. So that's why I was going to try and make a friend. Um, uh, uh, well, in, um, in my comic Future Egg, there's a, a storyline where an alien comes to kill this guy and wipe out all of humanity and his his master plan is to try and sort of charm the alien with a, a Kurt Russell marathon and some nachos. Um so that was that was my plan and I still think it is kind of a good plan. Show I think you could show an alien big trouble in little China and it would you'd you'd pique its interest. It'd be like, okay, what else have you got? That's my thinking, mainly. <laughs> um, but I don't think I don't I think I'd have to be some kind of double agent on it i couldn't mm. i couldn't just go okay we're buds now you're han solo i'm chewbacca um because you know after humanity's wiped out i would be the alien and they would be in the majority wouldn't it well can they, we, they'd be like et but can we not them. convince them with you know great kurt russell movies not to wipe us out and we'll just take a share it's, uh, it's kurt russell's good but i don't know if he's that good uh, Big Trouble in China is very good. Could, very Big, Trouble, good. Big Trouble as a whole is that good, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We'll show Big Trouble in China. Humanity is spared, I believe. I mean, Amazing. I don't know. It's a strong start. If it's not it's, the solution, it's, it's certainly a step. Yeah, definitely. So your plan is is on the, on the landing of the aliens. You have a massive screening of Big Trouble in Little China. Well, yeah. See, my backup here is. I think a big screen they might feel threatened by. I mean, Kurt Russell, he's a big boy anyway. Mm. Put him on a massive screen. They've got to be intimidated. Exactly. So Matt's item is a copy of... Well, no, we can't talk about the items yet. Absolutely, that's for the end. All right, well, we'll, say, we'll keep it there then. But we have, a, we have an alternate we, way we, to we, show we've it. We've got a plan, and it does... The, the plan does involve Big Trouble in Little China. So Amazing. if you're not, Amazing. If you're not on board at this point, you're not going to like where, where it comes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% on board. So what's happened is that you, the, the, the alien invaders, you've managed to convince them to, to sit through uh, a reasonably uh, small, well, not small, but a, a usual tv size screening yeah. of Big Trouble in Little China. Um, yeah. they've, they've loved it. You know, we're totally on board with the human race now. Thank goodness. They want to find out more about the culture of the human race and they they want to find out more about that culture through the world of comics and so they ask you what's the first comic you remember enjoying first of all i just want to point out a small problem with this plan we've shown them the best humanity has to offer with big trouble <laughs> it's so it's, it's all back no nah, there's still there's, it's it's fine there's still some good stuff they're not going to expect you know ice cream for every meal you know yeah it's true too much for good thing we'll have to put it like that there's highs, there's highs and lows you know It'll be fine. It'll be Absolutely. Fine. So they want to know about the comics. Yes. So Matt, what was the first comic you remember enjoying? Um, the first comic for me is X Men. Um, awesome. Yeah, um, I've read sort of other comics like Beano and stuff like that, but like X Men was the first comic really that just sort of permeated like every area of my life. Um, 
uh, I was quite lucky because my dad was the one who introduced me to X-Men comics when I was really, really young. I think too young to sort of really like read them and understand them and stuff, but he was a big X-Men fan. Mm. He had a huge long box of X-Men comics. Um, so he let me and my friends read them and things like that. And then um, <clears throat> the um, animated series and the figures and stuff sort of came out after that, which was really bizarre because I think for some reason we kind of got into our heads that only – my dad really knew about X-Men. <laughs> so I remember being like, dad, what's this? And then, you know, there's the arcade games and stuff like that. And it was just, um, it was just, it was just amazing to just for the, you know, the comic that I love to just, you know, have the animated series, the figures, the arcade games and stuff like that. And it really just, it really did. Um, it really did just inspire me. Um, X-Men basically maybe until my, my late teens, like after high school, X-Men was comics as far as I was concerned. Um, mm-hmm. They were the only comics I read. Um, like I said, even before I could read, I remember just reading, looking through comics, and there's whole runs that I have really fond memories of, whole storylines that if you ask me now what happened in them, I couldn't tell you because I didn't really read them, but I, I, would, I would leaf through them every single night, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was just... Um, and even when I sort of um, stopped reading comics... Um, sort of early high school, I guess, maybe before, probably sort of like late primary school, um, I stopped reading comics, not because I wanted to like impress girls and be cool, because <laughs> I got like really hardcore into like Star Wars and Star Trek, but uh, the mm. thing that brought me back into comics then was when the X-Men film came out, and and I got straight back onto it, and then I think around that time it was like um, Grant Morrison's um, new X-Men and stuff like that, X-Statics and stuff like that, and it was just great to get back into it then. And, you know, I think, yeah, I, I really, um, I really, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't think I'd be making comics if it wasn't for X-Men. I mean, I liked other properties that were predominantly like comics, um, properties like Batman and Spider-Man, but I never cared about the comics. Um, X-Men was the only, only thing really. So that, yeah, that for me was definitely the first, the first comic that I loved. And I still, I still love it, and every step of the sort of the the way X Men's been sort of my favourite thing, really. Absolutely. And what age were you, um, kind of, when you first started reading it, X Men? Um, well, probably quite young, maybe like um, it'll have been sort of like early nineties, so maybe um, I maybe have been like. Uh, six or seven or something oh wow straight um amazing yeah 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 um and my dad would sort of um he'd get sort of the um most of the sort of monthly titles so he'd be giving me stuff like um was it like uh early 90s when it was like jim lee uh on x-men um x-force rob lifefield stuff like that and um yeah just sort of like going through um all that sort of era i was that was like the the peak of it, but they used to have like um, classic X Men stuff as well. There was just like random issues and stuff, and you know, halfway through a storyline, and I'd never know how it ended or anything. They'd end on these cliffhangers, and I'd, I'd never work out what happens after that. But yeah, like before, I could even sort of like really take in what was happening. Um, yeah, I, I just loved those X Men comics. So yeah, awesome. And so obviously that must have sparked within you the. That want to create your own comics yeah yeah absolutely i um 
quite recently found like a really old sketchbook and I didn't recognize any of the drawings, but my mum told me they were mine and I'd like designed my own X-Men characters and stuff like that. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> Have you got any names and things? Oh, no, I, I can't remember. They, oh. they, were, they, were, they were probably re- really, really bad. They'd all be... It's never terrible. I, you know, like just the imagination of like, you know, just a young boy. Like it's just awesome the kind of names and designs that kids come up with. I'd love to see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to see if I can find that sketchbook and maybe some of the characters will show up in Galaxia. Almost um, yeah, I'll have to see if I can find I can find that that book again. But yeah, um it really um I you know, at high school once I got sort of got back into them, um me and my friends used to sit in uh sit in the classroom over lunchtime and just draw covers to imaginary comics or draw one page comics and things like that. Um and I yeah, from there I, I, I always wanted to make comics. I went to college to do art because i wanted to make uh, comics um that was a really miserable experience and it put me off wanting to make comics for a long time um, but uh, you know um you know uh, uh th- that love of comics came back when i guess when i found out i was never gonna i guess when i realized and accepted i'm never gonna draw the x-men but i can draw my own thing was what sort of brought it back but um yeah, it went. It went into an environment. Where, I went. I went into an environment where comics weren't taken very seriously, mm. um, so it made it really difficult and stuff. But yeah, like even up to going to college was my ambition was to be a comics creator, and and I, mean, I lost that for about ten years after college. So that sucks. But um, you know, everything up to then was X Men all the way. Um, you know, I feel like Were, a lot there of any particular like, characters? Sorry, Matt, characters. That kind of the, the stand out for you within the X Men. Yeah, at the time, um, uh, like I said, big time uh, sort of fan of like the, the Jim Lee um, X Men. Right. So my favorite characters would be uh, like I, I remember seeing them like on, on, co- on any any time they're on a cover. I absolutely loved it. I loved uh, Wolverine, obviously, because I was a little kid. Everyone was Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gambit, I really liked. Um, uh, Jubilee and uh, Psylocke, like. The- those characters i think it's like the colors and just the the way they would be portrayed on covers and stuff i always thought was really uh really cool they were the characters that stood out for me at the time that i really liked and um and yeah any storyline with those guys i know i'd always follow like looking like looking back like i have almost like um now i've got almost like completely different favorite x-men oh yeah but that's what's great about x-men there's so many different characters and stuff but you know um i like characters like um Emma Frost, I really got to like, because uh-huh. um, you know she was like a a villain who was always sort of um, who was sort of trying to change and be good, but always ne- could never sort of shake the villain thing. Uh, really, like certain certain characters did manage manage to sort of like um, you know sort of like be bad, but then be convincingly not good. And Emma Frost always had sort of like a bit of a grey area where the character and the people wouldn't trust her, and um, uh, Hank McCoy, uh, Beast, is um, one of my favorite characters now. And Storm, and I, I can't believe how much I never appreciate Storm because Storm is amazing. She's absolutely incredible. I mainly remember remember from the animated series, and when I was a kid, she was just a bit of a joke because she was very sort of theatrical, almost over the top. Whenever she would do anything, we'd all just make fun of her and stuff. But now I look back and go, Oh yeah, Storm's actually amazing. Like she's um, she has some really cool storylines. Goes through really. Um, interesting phases, incredibly powerful. A lot of 
um, different interesting things going on at different phases of her life. She had that sort of like whole Mohawk era, all the stuff with the Morlocks, sort of like being leader of the Morlocks and stuff like that. It was, yeah, really cool character. That's awesome. And so the aliens uh, want to find out if uh, the human race has any sense of humour. And so they ask, what's the funniest or comic that made you laugh out loud the most? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, o- I always recommend this comic to anyone. And I probably shouldn't, really, because it's a really odd sense of humour. But um, Meg Morgan Owl um, by Simon Hanselman. I, um, I'm not sure if it started as like a webcomic. They did some online and stuff or if, he, if it started physically. I know he makes like sort of small mini comic zine type things as well. But mm-hmm. you can get collected editions of them. Um, I think there's Mega Hex, um, Mega Mog in Amsterdam, and One More Years out so far. But yeah, it's um, it's so weird, man. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. I find it absolutely hilarious. But then some people go, "Oh, that's really dark, or that's really weird, or that's really <clears throat> sick." But I just find it really funny. It's the it's like the um, the children's character, the children's book characters in Meg Meg and Mog, like the witch and the cat. Yeah. It's basically like those characters grown up and they're kind of just like depressed like drug addicts um <laughs> who, who all just live in this horrible flat and they they so meg and mog are, are like an owl and a witch but they're also like a couple and they're, they're just sort of layabouts who don't do very much and then there's owl who sees himself as a lot better than everyone else but he he also is just a really awful person but he just doesn't he just doesn't see it and they have this friend werewolf jones who's obviously a werewolf all the, all their friends are just sort of like weird fantasy characters like um dracula jr and uh like a boogeyman and all this stuff but like um uh yeah like reality has crushed this <laughs> yeah yeah like, and there's werewolf jones and he's just the, he's like the worst person he's kind of like um like super hands off peep show almost and <laughs> um, he's just really awful and he just comes into their life and causes havoc and um and yeah, he, he, Owl hates him. He's always just like messing everything up. Uh, but but Meg and Mog always defend him and take his side and stuff, which just sort of like dr- drives Owl really crazy. They're all just they're all just like messed up in their own way, and it's really it's weirdly. I think it's, it's all ridiculous and over the top and horrible. But I think what makes it weirdly relatable is a lot of it comes from uh, the writer's actual real life, like. He's not had a very good life. Um, like I, th- I think he said in interviews and stuff, like his mum, his mum's was a junkie and still is. Um, so he grew up in not a very nice environment, and a lot of bad stuff happens so, to to a kid sort of like living in that situation. But you know, he's a very talented artist, and he's actually taken these situations and managed to make them really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it is weird. It is weird to laugh at them and. Uh, I just find it. I just find it so funny. Like I can't not recommend it to people, but it's very rare that I find someone that goes, "Oh yeah, that was hilarious." A lot of people go, "Okay," <laughs> um, but obviously a lot of people do find it really funny, and it is really funny. And I would recommend that anyone checks it out, but don't blame me if you don't like it <laughs> um, because <laughs> I think it's really good. Um, is that what you're going to say to the aliens? Don't blame me. If you don't don't like blame it. me if you don't like this, but I think it's good. Yeah, that, that's my review. <laughs> Uh, um yeah it's it's very um i can see why people would not find it funny uh sometimes possibly but yeah i i always do and i i always awesome. i always laugh and enjoy it 
Um, one thing that he did was re- that was really good. Cool, someone um, made like a, a a bootleg sexual manga comic oh of God. his property, like without his permission, and he found out about it. This is really funny. He found out about it, so he messaged the person, said, "Did you make a bootleg of my comic?" They're like, "Well, yes." So he's like, "Oh, uh, let's have a look then." So they sent him a copy of it and then he scanned it in and then bootlegged the bootleg and sold it on his website in huge runs and then the person who bootlegged his comic got in touch and was really mad that he'd done that but he was like well you bootlegged my comic (laughs) wow that was amazing i don't i have no idea what legally can be done over all that but that sounds amazing No one's going to touch it. I think that's... Yeah, I think that's <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, excellent. Uh, so, <laughs> so the aliens, um, in, in lieu of trying to understand the human race even more, um, want to find out about more emotions and ask um, you, what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read? Well, naturally, you can probably guess, it's uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the um, the City at War storyline from the original Mirage run uh, with uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Um, it was like I think it was like a twelve issue series, at, like really towards the end of the run. And um, yeah, I was really when I read it, I was really taken aback by it. It was, it was really quite. Um, it really puts all the characters through the ringer. I think what made it most sad is because. It's the Ninja Turtles. Like you kind of grew up with mm. them. Yeah, They're yeah. kind of your little mates. Like the biggest problem they have is like, oh, some guys turned into a slug and he's covered everything in slime. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but they, they, yeah, they really, really go through the ringer. So like, um, you you have this storyline where um, the turtles have ultimately defeated Shredder, but in the Foot Clan they've left this huge power vacuum, right. and there's lots of different um, uh, organizations within the Foot Clan that are trying to sort of um, uh, take Shredder's place at the head so it creates kind of like a Foot Clan civil war and it's like tearing New York apart and there's all these terrorist attacks and people getting killed so then you've got the Turtles having to deal with the fact that essentially they have created this situation um, and you know how are they, how are they going to stop it when it's clearly sort of bigger than them at this point and um, how far into this into Turtles is this because I've read a bit of these from like I don't remember this oh it's like it starts at issue 50 I think right so it's a chunk in so yeah so it's quite far in and it's like it's like towards the end of the books and they yeah like they did not worked on it for a while and they came back to sort of like um, sort of pen the story I think and do the art and stuff and um, yeah so you got like um, Master, Master Splinter he gets in an accident and um, he's he's really injured and he can't move and no one knows where he is and he has to sort of um, eat rats to survive and things like that <laughs> oh and God. being a rat himself is like pretty grizzly and he's and he's he's sort of like being tormented by all all his thoughts and it's kind of he's kind of going through this sort of like mental torture at the same time he's in this sort of like physically debilitating situation and um and uh, yeah, all the characters really get put through the ring. I think the one that always stands out to me is like Casey Jones, like um, sort of a little bit early in the run, he'd, you know, he he's a vigilante who sort of fights punks, like street kids and stuff. And, uh, you know, sort of uh, common criminals. And he, he accidentally kills one of them. And um, I just got to you know, say that. Just, this, is, this has really surprised me about how dark Teenage Mutant Ninja oh, Turtles has got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what got me. Here's what's mad about Turtles, like, as a kid, like, 
I used to watch the cartoon all the time. So I mean, the reason Matt's feeling all the comic questions is I'm a very casual comic reader. But as a kid, being an old dandy, Ninja Turtles, that was like yeah, my comic. Yeah. But the comics I read of Ninja Turtles were the Archie comics, where as dark as that got was Raphael got a bit sad and put a black <laughs> suit on at one point. Yeah. I remember someone telling me like, um, oh, the, the comics are way darker than the TV show. Like, yeah, I've read them. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's like, oh yeah, it said, it said it's still the turtles slapping around a, a big mutant slug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, Casey Jones in this story, it's, it's really, it's really incredible. It's really close, it's sort of close to the bone. Like he, he accidentally kills like a some punk kid, sort of falls into alcoholism, and um, with, with the remorse bit, and it completely like destroys his relationship with April O'Neil and the turtles. So he, he leaves. And um, uh, he sort of like leaves in disgrace, and you know stops off somewhere for a um, for something to eat, and then all his car gets stolen with all, all his stuff in it, and and then just to say that that's not even the worst thing that happens to him. So <laughs> I, you know I, I won't ruin it, but like he, he, he the, every single character really gets put through the ringer. I mean, like April sort of goes back home to her sister and um, realizes that like. You know, she's got this family and stuff, but she just doesn't sort of like have that connection. She does, you know, they're family, but they don't get on well as sort of friends and stuff. They're quite different people, and um, she sort of becomes really disillusioned with that. And um, and her father passes away, and she has to deal with that. Every single character really does sort of go through a lot. And although they sort of come back together at the end, um, you know, a lot of it is sort of like sort of quite bittersweet. A lot of characters still not recovering from like their physical. Um, the physical pain or emotional pain that they go through it is quite a bittersweet ending, and it's it's just stuff that like, you know, it's the turtles, but a lot of it's stuff that anyone could deal with, you know. Um, I guess that's why it's so like hits you so hard. It's because it's so surprising. It's the turtles. It's the turtles. This is the Ninja yeah. Turtles, and it's, it's yeah. so Our hard. It's a, it's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a great story, and what adds another level of sadness to it as well is like when you think about. Eastman and Laird, you know, two friends like me and Steve who uh, worked on a comic, um, just something that they loved. And, you know, because um, in the um, the collected editions and the hardbacks, the, you've got like the annotations That's and so stuff good. like that. It's really good to read the annotations. Yeah. But like um, to think as well, like slowly, like it kind of like ripped their friendship apart. And they talk about, you know, they come back together to write this story. But, you know, other points that were like, you know, you read the annotations, you're like, oh, yeah, we, we weren't talking to each other at this point. Like we, we never we, you know, this was the last, the, you know, this was the, a, a point, the last point I think the friendship could have been saved, but it, it wasn't. And, you know, they're What's, not friends anymore, you know. Yeah, amazing about the annotations as well. Because uh, I love these books, but I've not got as far into them as you, evidently. But I love the fact that in the annotations, you can tell they're not asking them these things together because they're not replying like it's a conversation. It's like yeah, one yeah. of them responds to it, then another one responds to it. You can tell they're still not over it. Like, yeah. They're still furious at each other for something. Yeah, so it's like another level of sadness when you're reading the books. Like, oh yeah, you know, two best buds like torn apart by their own creation. You know, it's quite kind of, depressing. It's, story. It's, yeah, it's kind of weird. Hopefully, it's not a prophecy. Oh it is. Excellent. Uh, and so um, the, the the aliens. Uh, are very satisfied with that answer and they want to move on to the next one um, which was uh, what's the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read oh right yeah um, well please do not take this one as a recommendation 
Um, I, I, I hate this book. Um, I keep it on my bookshelf in a place where I can't see it. <laughs> I hate to look at it. But um, it's definitely the comic that scared me the most. And it's called The Furry Trap, and it's by Josh Simmons. Um, and so it's kind of like an anthology of, of horror comics written by this guy. And I remember when I read it, I was just like, this isn't scary. This is just like sort of shock value stuff. It's very violent, very gory. Um, and a lot, just a lot of, a lot of stuff. Where it's just like, well, that's just in there to make people feel uncomfortable because it, yeah, it's horrible. But um, I was just like, yeah, it's just, it's not a good horror comic, but then it was still haunting me <laughs> days later. So I'm like, yeah, actually maybe it was. Um, the fact you still won't look at it. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. I read it like once a year. I still read it because nothing horrifies me like that comic. I don't um, often horrify it, so <laughs> I think I'd leave it on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, st- I still do read it because, it, yeah, it, it, I guess it does what it tries to do. It's, it really is horrifying. I, I I don't generally recommend it to people. It's it's not a nice read. Josh, All of Josh Simmons' stuff is like that. It's really good, really bleak incredibly disturbing but but it's so gratuitous to the point where you you kind of want to go that's not good but i feel i feel like it is because it affects me in that way you know um it it touches on a lot of really horrific subjects so obviously it's gonna discuss people and disturb people and i just feel like it's kind of like um kind of like low-hanging fruit but it, it really does the job like for me there's so much in there like um, the, and I think in the, the last story in the furry trap is this one where there's this guy and um, he's in the woods. Um, he's in the woods working and his car breaks down. He's sort of too proud to ask for help for any of his colleagues or whatever. So they all leave and he's trapped there by himself. And then this weird little kid comes up and starts taunting him for being trapped in the woods and being useless and stuff. And this, this kid uses just really, he doesn't talk like a kid. He uses really horrible language and stuff. And um, he slowly starts to reveal basically information about all his family and where he lives. And then he starts telling the guy all the stuff that him and his family are going to do to his family. And it's just the most awful stuff you can imagine. It's just this kid talking to this guy and this guy's just basically powerless to do anything. He just has to sort of sit there and he's too sort of intimidated by this weird kid who knows everything about his life and about his family. And he says, Oh yeah, we're going to do this and this is going to happen. And all it's, it's, it's just all horrible stuff. And then he goes, and then the, the guy's, car starts and the kid goes you can go now and then the guy rides back home and he gets to his house and the door slightly open and he goes in and then the kid is there with these kind of like adult versions of himself like his family but they don't look like quite human they look like weird like almost cartoon characters compared to more realistic people they look very odd they don't look scary they just look out of place and uh, and the kid's just like okay the fun's gonna begin now and that's the end and it's really it's yeah, it's really horrible because That's it just creepy, man. It is it's oh. disgusting because it, it just it, it hits you in all these places. Just like yeah, it's awful. The knowledge of horrible things that are going to happen, the knowledge that you're powerless to do it, do anything about it, powerless to protect your family, and all of it. It's it's really really awful. Um, it's yeah, it's a really really hard read. I hate it, but I read that whole book like at least once a year because because no, no, nothing scares me like that. And that's and that's that's what I like. That's insane horror. to me. Yeah. No. I think you need I'm, I'm, to uh, implement an intervention. 
there, Steve. <laughs> I'm going to find the book. I'm going to. No, no, not, I'm not going to read it. Obviously, I'm just going to hide it somewhere. <laughs> uh, Josh Jonas has a really good. There's a really good comic in one of his other horror an- anthologies as well. Is it called Flayed Corpse and other stories? There's a really good one there, and that's like an off-brand Batman and Joker, and they're both. Um, they're both like the last survivors in this post-apocalyptic wasteland. That's really good. I'd recommend that. That sounds good. What was it called? Sorry, Matt. That one. Um, so yeah, the 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 one I wouldn't recommend is Furry Trap, <laughs> but the one I would recommend. Well, th- that's equally horrible to be fair, but a story within it is really good, and uh, that's uh, within a collected edition called Flayed Corpse and Other Stories. I think. Awesome. You know, by saying a uh, story is something that's so scary, you wouldn't recommend it. It's the most glowing recommendation. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? It? That, that, that's why I keep reading it. That's the thing. It's like I don't want to recommend this but i kind of have to because it really has done its job as far as i'm concerned see things that scare me like that means i don't do them again <laughs> well, you know, that's horror that's it's not funny yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're into horror that's the kind of thing that you kind of want so yeah if you do like that then definitely check out the furry trap um and so, yeah, the, the, it's not some pretty grim subjects so just you know be, be aware if uh, you want to avoid that sort of thing as i would say comes with a warning that's for sure um and so the uh the aliens uh want to move on to onto more positive uh things um and they ask what's the most meaningful comic to you um well this one's really difficult especially because it's it's probably well it's not quite more positive uh the meaningful comic it's mm. a, a very good comic but um, it's the comic is wired up wrong by uh rachel smith yeah and um you know, that's about, um, it's um, like a series of little comics she did about um, her dealing with depression and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was sort of particularly meaning, meaningful to me. Like when I read that, I'd, I kind of like recently come out of this really big depression that had lasted for about 10 years, maybe more. Wow. Um, I think the, 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 the problem was for me, like I refused to admit that I was depressed. Um, You know, like I think a lot of, you know, when people talk about depression, a lot of people think sort of like, oh yeah, everyone gets sad. Everyone struggles, you know? And I, and I didn't want to be one of those people who said, oh yeah, my problems are worse than everyone else's and stuff. Cause I was like, well, they're not, you know? Um, So I just sort of thought, oh, everyone must feel like this. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just, just, uh, I just need to deal with it better. And, you know, and, or it's normal to feel like this or it's normal to be like this and I I really I had a lot of friends sort of saying you really should probably get help I think you're really depressed and I was like no no I'm not but the, but when I got out of it I looked back and I was just like I can't believe I let myself live like that for so long mm-hmm. uh, so reading um, Wired Up Wrong um, after I'd, so I'd, I'd got help at that point and I was on the road to recovery sort of thing. But reading that, I, I don't think I was expecting, um, I think I was still having a virtual face up to it. I don't think I was expecting to relate to it as much as I did. And um, yeah, I remember when I read that, it was like a day I, I had the whole morning to myself and I thought, oh, I'm going to read this big, nice pile <laughs> of comics. And the first one I read was uh, Wired Up Wrong. Because um, I was already a fan of Rachel Smith because she does really good um fiction as well but this is like non-fiction and stuff and um, it's so obviously dealing with real life and um yeah that was the first comic i read and um i when i finished it i i literally started crying um it was it was really it really really moved me 
um, I, I think it, yeah, I think it just made me reflect on a lot of stuff in my life, um, sort of personally, um, and you know, thinking about a lot of other people suffering through things, and um, you know, it's like I think it's a it's a good a good one to read if um, you know if if you if you are suffering, it can it certainly helps me understand certain things um, a little bit better about mm. about depression and sometimes about myself and stuff. And I think it's also quite good if you know anyone who's depressed, it's a good thing uh, to read. I think, you know, because from it you can kind of get, like, if someone, um, like, as talented as Rachel Smith can feel that way about herself, then, that you know what I mean? Like, there's definitely something something there, something not right about it. And, you know, it's and she's really good at sort of articulating it and... Um, and um, yeah, I guess sort of bringing it to the forefront um, and, make, and making you think about it, making you um, understand it a little bit better. And I think she's really good at um, yeah, I think she's really good at presenting it as well. She brings humour to it. It's incredibly humorous. So sort of very um, even though even though it's quite it can be quite dour, but like um, and she, she's got a lot of useful information in there as well about um, seeking help and um, uh, just. Um, taking care of yourself and things like that. So, it's a really, it's, it's a really, it's a really good book. And like I say, it it <laughs> it, it did uh, it did hit me really sort of quite hard. Um, but you know, in a good way. It was a really, it was really yeah. good. I enjoyed it. It was very very cathartic read. Um, and yeah, she just did an incredible job with it. And um, awesome. really hit me. Yeah. Well, it sounds so, like it should be on prescription in the NHS. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, awesome. everyone's experience with depression can be sort of quite different and stuff. There was stuff that yes. I found very relatable and then stuff that I didn't find as relatable. But, you know, it just makes you realize that not everyone's experience is the same. And mm. being open and depression is not the same for everyone. And yeah, so it's almost an important thing to know anyways, that, it, that people going through depression aren't necessarily going through the same thing. They're just yeah. all experiencing their own horrible twist on things yeah yeah i, th I think it's probably there's there's some really good people doing work about mental health and stuff i think rachel smith is probably one of the best certainly one of the best i've seen anyway um so yeah that i think that book just sort of like came into my life as well at a really interesting time so yeah for me i think that was the most meaningful amazing great um, and so the the next question that the aliens ask is what's the most underrated comic um, for me, the most underrated comic is uh, Transformers versus GI Joe by Tom Cioli. Awesome. Um, and I, yeah, there's there's three three reasons why I say that. One, I think people look at the artwork and think that like it's it's quite it's definitely sort of got its own style. It's got this kind. Of, I guess it's kind of like a filter of it. Makes it look like an old comic it's not i love how it looks yeah it looks like it's been called in almost with like crayons or yeah. something it, it, it has this like weird vibe to it that i think people mistake for being not good it's weird because it's got a real it doesn't look refined it's got an old almost nostalgic look to it yeah. like like it's how your brain thinks a comic from the past would look yeah but it isn't how a comic from the past would look yeah yeah i think people glance at the art and kind of dismiss it the art for looking childish i think some of it is presented in a in a way that um that's not really visually appealing. I like I notice it like it. I don't know. It doesn't have like any borders around it. Every page goes to the edge. Sometimes 
that doesn't look as good as it could, I don't think. But I think people judge it too harshly because of the artwork sometimes. Um, not that it's bad, it's just that sometimes, I guess, you know, people who read mainstream comics especially have a certain sort of standard that they think all mainstream comics should adhere to. And then another reason is I think people will probably go, oh, oh well, I don't know a lot about G.I. Joe, or I don't know a lot about Transformers, or I don't know a lot about both, and go, it's not for me. But I I know about Transformers generally. I, I don't know anything about G.I. Joe, but I still really enjoyed that comic. Um, it feels kind of like, I don't know if this is obviously the point, but the story of that feels like you don't need to know anything about either of them, because it plays with them both yeah. so loosely that it's like someone playing with the toys. Yes, exactly. It does, yeah. It plays, it plays with both really loosely. It kind of makes its own continuity and, and uses its own ideas. It, um I th- he 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 um he's, yeah he's not beholden to like any other um comic that's come before he just takes the property and almost sort of like makes it his, his own for the whole run which is really good and yeah. um what's the what's the premise how does it how does the setting take place oh you know what it's been so long since i read it i can't remember the particulars of the actual story it's just yeah. the, the the comic is so crazy it's just like a ride like you just <laughs> you just get on and go like it's it is in every sense transformers versus gi joe every, every page is just sort of like crazy kinetic action and just weird ideas being expressed and it awesome. th- th- this is the thing um you know people might say oh the artwork's not up to this standard or that standard i mean that's not to say the artwork is good but i just think people sort of don't really appreciate it but like um but the way he presents everything um, is just really, really bizarre. Like so many pages, just like um, um, are almost like a poster or a, a, a tapestry or sort of fresco or something, and then just like loads of things just going on all like on one splash page. Loads of things just going on all over the place. Lo- you know what I mean? It'll just be like a whole, like a Where's Wally battlefield almost, <laughs> yes. and the story's just like. seven different stories are happening all over the place it's just the weirdest thing it's really unique like yourself i've already read it at your house but like the story i don't remember much of it at all but i distinctly remember the look of it and some pages and how they look yeah and weird use of scale where some things are suddenly like pages where you'll suddenly have huge characters and then really small details on the next page it's just being all over the place in terms of like it's how it's coloured, how it looks. It's just really interesting looking book. Yeah, yeah. And there's just so many, like, hundreds of cool ideas just thrown in, different ways to present information. And there's a really cool bit that I really liked. Every time it introduces a new character, like, they'll have a little bio next to them. Um, So, like, if a G.I. Joe character turns up, you'll see, like, their dossier with their name, and it'll say name so-and-so, and it'll have a bit of vital information about them every time they turn up. And there's this huge battle scene and um, all these like new troops were coming running in and into this huge fray, and like everyone had their own little bio next to them. And then there's just some of them who are just like coming out of the gates and just getting shot up, like you would be in a war. And their their bio is just there, but it's just got a big stamp on it that says deceased or something like that, which is just great. It's just really um, cavalier with like all the characters, and um, it, it it take like I say it takes them and makes them like really unique and draws really interesting parallels between characters from the GI Joe franchise and from the transformers franchise like one page i i absolutely adore is when um destro um meets megatron and like destro the character is like um bad guy from gi joe and he's like an arms dealer and megatron from transformers and he turns into a giant gun and 
Destro wears a metal mask and there's this like really cool image of like Megatron's face reflected in Destro's metal mask. It's really oh, cool. just yeah, two characters' faces are superimposed on top of each other, like and they and he's, I think he says something like Gun God, you have met your avatar or something like that. And it's like yeah, just drawing parallels between both the villains, like the metal faces and the vocations and stuff. It's just loads of ideas like that just crammed, crammed into every single page. Um everything's beautiful you got like uh, you'll have like a giant battle going on inside a giant robot so the the panels of every page like make up this giant robot um and that's why i think with the scale before so yeah. that's what i'm thinking of where it's just really playful in the way the pages themselves are kind of presented yeah it's really good they'll be like there'll be like uh, things going on meanwhile there's like some kind of stealth operation and you'll see the characters who are conducting the stealth operation between the panels where characters are talking and they'll be like crawling through the gutters of the Comic panels, like between the panels, stuff like that. Really, really cool ideas. Just loads of stuff like that. And I, I just think, I don't know if you feel the same, but I found all the artwork. I think if you took any one element out of it and just went, hey, what do you think of this picture of a Transformer? I probably wouldn't be that into it. But I think it's just when everything comes together, yeah. it just looks really cool. Yeah. So just so many incredible ideas that he, he, he's just he's just firing out. Um, I just, I don't, yeah, it's it's really definitive. Like I say, I probably couldn't tell you the exact uh, uh, plot and, and how they sort of come to fight, but they do. It's just, they do. It's, just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just the rhyme. It's just like, it's just like constant. Um, and just every character getting, getting some kind of like weird, weird thing to do. And it's, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Like, it's rad. It's and they fight Street Fighter after this. Oh, they're fighting everyone. They're fighting everyone. <laughs> everyone. Well, you know, it's comics, and everyone's got to fight, haven't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's Transformers versus Star Trek as well, I think, isn't there? Jeez. Oh, yeah, ID, IDW went all the way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, the, the the third reason I mentioned that this is my most underrated comic is because uh, me and a friend of mine were having a, a similar conversation about like what what comics you would like sort of preserve if you could only sort of like preserve a certain amount of comics. And uh, I mentioned Transformers G.I. Joe and he, he widened his eyes in a show of surprise as if I was somehow making a controversial decision. I'm like, wait, what? That's why are you raising your eyebrows? At that? like, that's no, it, it's great. And I was just like, that is, that is an underrated comic. It really is. I think, yeah. So I think the artwork sometimes puts people off and it shouldn't i think maybe not knowing the properties as well as people might like to before jumping in puts people off and i don't think it has to and yeah well my friend didn't think it was good enough to be preserved and it and it is so that means it's underrated <laughs> to me perfect excellent so we come on to uh one of the most difficult questions um of of our of our questions and that is for you uh what is the best comic of all time um, for me, I have got to say Preacher. Um, I don't know if that's a, a, a good thing to say or a, or a bad thing to say. I feel like a lot of people go, oh, I don't know. But uh, they, you see, I, I read it, I've only read it like back when I was a teenager. I think that was the first, one of the first comics I really got into when I started um, branching out from like X-Men and stuff like that. Uh, and the guy at uh, my local comic shop recommended it, recommended it to me. So I bought the first um, trade paperback, and I read it, and I liked it. And I went back and got the second one the next day. And then I, when I read the storyline where uh, Jesse goes back and meets his family, and he's got that, he's got this really awful, 
horrible family. Like his grandma is just this, this horrible old woman who's just an absolute tyrant and a murderer. She's just the most the most the most awful people you can think of. And it's just this really intense storyline of him going back and facing all his demons from his family and stuff like this. And as soon as I read that storyline, I went back in the next day and I bought every single other one. Um, wow. As soon as I read that storyline, I was absolutely in love with it. Um, I think I think it's really great how it's it's only... I think how many issues is it? It's about 60-odd, 70 issues, something like that. It's not that big, is it? It's like 60-odd it's like issues, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's just like one story complete, which I think is really good. I mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Um, and it's kind of just... There's the, the thing about... Um, so he's, the, he's a preacher, isn't he? You know, he, he gets the, the voice of God and people have to do whatever he says if he talks to him in his special voice and stuff, and it's because, like, a demon had a baby with an angel or something um, and all this stuff about God. And none of that means anything to me. Like, I don't think about that stuff at all when I start thinking of preacher. I just think of all, like, the incredible characters and mm-hmm. just all from get from from the start to the finish, like, all the weird places he goes and all the weird situations he gets into um, is just great. I, just, I love how many different and odd tangents the story takes while still sort of like vaguely following this line. It really goes off the rails at some point. And I absolutely love that it does that. And um, obviously, again, going back to the absolutely uh, sick sense of humor, um, really funny. Um, just And just so many odd things going on. The main bad guy, Hair Star, just loads of awful things just happen to him and he just deals with it in really weird ways. And... Um, Everyone's hilarious, and then you've got um, character arcs where like characters like like Cassidy and um, and you think, oh, he's great, he's really funny, he's really cool, he's he's Jesse's best mate and he's a vampire, and then you, later you found out he's like really sort of like quite a pitiful and disgusting character, and you're just like, what? And I, I I'd not felt anything like that quite in quite the same way to just like completely you know, rip a character down like that, you know. And growing up with X-Men, it was like, what? Like, Gambit was partially responsible for the mutant massacre. Oh, no. And, it, it, you know, it's just, it was just, it just, it didn't, it, it was just like, it was just, that was just like another X-Men thing. Like, X-Men <laughs> are always doing stuff like that. Like, and he's like, oh, I've got to redeem myself. And it's just like, yeah, you're Gambit. It's fine. I think I can forgive you. Um, but then, you know, you read this and you're like a character. And he's just really awful in a very sort of, like, more relatable human normal way not that i don't care about the mutant massacre okay it was bad <laughs> it was bad but it's it's not it's a bit more abstract to the teenager you know reading it's just it's like it, that was really like someone you really looked up to and you find out that they're the worst person and it was it was really um yeah i don't think i'd ever sort of felt like that sort of before like i think you know all those i, I i'd say preacher's probably not my favorite comic um comic series but all together as one thing for me i think it's the best because it's got it's got a bit of everything that i would want from a comic in it to be fair yeah, yeah. that's why i'd that's say awesome. when did you first come across it when it was being published or um, no it all been completed um right. I, um I probably would, would have been about 18 oh right yeah yeah about 18 um yeah, because I was I have been at, I been at college. Yeah, so I was about eighteen. So I, I came I sort of came to it quite late, and I've not read it since then. Um, but a lot of stuff's just uh, sort of like, you know, 
burned into my memory and I, I always look back and just go, oh yeah, that was really good or oh, that was really shocking or that was really funny. And it's it's like, yeah, it's one of the, the memories of it have really, really stuck with me always, even though I've never read it again. Um, I, I still really love it. Um, I don't think I don't think I would feel any differently about it if I read it again. Maybe I would. Like I say, I probably read comics that I admired more um, or enjoyed more, but overall, I probably wouldn't say those comics were better. Right. Um, Preacher's quite sort of got quite a. For me, it's it has got everything that I would want in in a really good proportion within it, its short run. Yeah. And it's quite aspirational, I guess, for for an eighteen year old to see that and work towards maybe. Oh man, I don't know. I I, I don't know if I, I I don't I think uh, I, I I don't think I would ever have thought that I could have achieved anything like that. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> uh, everything about it's so so perfect and incredible. Like, it, no, I, I really don't think I would ever have thought. Maybe too overwhelming. I, yeah. The, the, the things the things that were asked, I think. For me, the thing that was most aspirational, you know, obviously sort of like I grew up as a kid wanting to be a, a comic artist and sort of working really hard with art. But then once I got to college, I really stopped for quite a long time, which I regret, but what are you going to do? Um, but I think the, the most aspirational thing for me was finding small press and just finding comics where people have just made what they they love and, you know, finding that I, I loved them as well and just thinking, yeah, you know what, like... There's, there's, the comics can be for anyone and, 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 and anything, you know. Um, you, you don't even have to make a huge epic storyline. You can you can make something incredibly personal or incredibly weird or incredibly one note even. You know, it doesn't sort of uh, run the gamut of, um, you know, all the different feelings and uh, storylines and twists and turns. You know, you can, you can make anything and... Um, yeah, so someone will like it, and even if they don't, you know, they, they might at least find it interesting. You know, <laughs> even uh, even failures can be interesting. You know, so um, that I think that was the most aspirational thing for me, really. Um, Preacher was just—I uh, I wouldn't even attempt to touch it. It'd be an intimidating <laughs> task. So to think. Yeah, an intimidating task for me to to think that. Like, like I said, I, I don't know how what other people would think about me saying it's the best. I'm sure people would think, "No, you're wrong." There's loads of other stuff that that's better than that, or I've no, I've no idea to be honest with you. But for me, like I, I think that I, I, I really don't, I can't imagine anything quite getting the, the proportions that right on stuff that I want in a comic. Yeah. So yeah, for me, that's why it's the best. I think. That's excellent. Um, and so we come on to our last question in regards to the um, to the comic questions, uh, and the aliens are kind of giving you a bit of an ultimatum in the. Only take one comic into the apocalypse from this list. Which would it be? Have they heard of Bastard Galaxia? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, from this list, you know, I would take Transformers versus GI Joe. Um, Not Ninja Turtles. No, there's a lot of Ninja Turtles, man. Let's think about this. It, well, no, Transformers versus GI Joe because. Um, because I need to find out why they're fighting. <laughs> I've, just, I've realised. I've realised I, I don't. I don't quite know all the ins and outs. But it, it because it, because it's like so. It's such a, a. It's a really dense read. It's really sort of visually interesting. It does the cool thing that the turtles thing also does, where it's got the little annotations from the people who make it. Yeah. Um, which I always find really interesting. Um, it does loads of interesting stuff. You can 
sort of um, really look into and think about and stuff. And I think as well, if you're in an apocalyptic situation, I think the good thing about Transformers versus G.I. Joe is I think it's pretty much like pure escapism. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you don't have to worry about anything in the real world when you when you're in Transformers G.I. Joe. It's not gonna make you you know, miss home. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah, I missed that. No, you just you gotta be fully in there, just getting dragged along in this weirdly sort of kinetic storyline that's just utter nonsense. And it has very few parallels with actual regular reality, so it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah, you don't have to worry about it. Just yeah, you, you meet a kid in the post apocalypse and you're like, Here kid, read this and then it's like, Oh, well, you know and the, but then you because the kid's not grown up in I say you're having to explain. No, we can lie. Oh, we well, can lie to him. Say we, had what bank, like. we had banks, and they sort of stole all the money. Oh well, money was like it was kind of like if you wanted something, you had to <laughs> tell. You'd have to explain all of human society for a lot of stuff that was grounded more in reality. Transformers and GI Joe totally out there, and that's what we. It's robots, you. kids. Robots, you know, aliens like like that. You want to kill them, but but they're, they're made of metal. And that's um, what it was like. Some of them Yeah, it's it's just it's crazy. Yeah. You, you don't need to know anything to read Transformers vs. G.I. Joe. You can just you can dive right you can dive right in and just have a good old time. Excellent. Yeah, that, no, that no was reason. Yeah, that was the stupidest thing I came out of that. I was, but whatever, <laughs> I, I, that's what I'd do. Yeah. I can't believe you left Transformers. I left Turtles to get blown up by the independent state laser or something. However, if there's no Turtles left, who's the new Turtles creators? Stevie and Matty. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bingo. You can just say, say it over, I'm not. I'm not making furry trap. I tell you that. <laughs> Definitely not. And so, along with your uh, completed collection of Transformers versus GI Joe, um, you're allowed a weapon, tool, or useful item. What will that be? Oh uh, yeah. So we thought about this a little. Yeah. Well, so my thing would be a DVD copy of Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, you know, uh, you can use it to to distract or win favour with an alien. Um, and, then, and if that doesn't work, uh, the alien tries to shoot you, you can deflect its laser blast with the reflective side of the disc. <laughs> I, I can do that. Um, See, I assure you. So I was under the impression that, you know, we come down, we try and show a big trouble on a big screen. Trouble on the medium screen. If they're immediately threatened by that, they might just blow up the screen yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't think twice about you know if i had the power to take out a giant kurt russell and i felt threatened by him he'd be gone so i've got a small portable uh laptop just just one of those little sort of 13 inch like macbook style ones but old enough to still have a dvd drive nothing modern so <laughs> we can always have <laughs> yeah. big trouble playing just you know towards them <laughs> keep trying to convince them and if things are going south you can start deflecting lasers pop, with the disc. Pop the disc out. I'll start deflecting the lasers. And with no knowledge of real computer hacking software, I'll just keep threatening to hack them with this laptop, which, you know, we don't know what tech they've yeah, got. Same. It might seem well futuristic to them to have this little laptop. Got, I can do anything yeah. I want with this. Have you seen Independence Day? Go on to <laughs> YouTube, find some soundboards, start playing odd noises. I hear that. That's oh. our weapons charging up. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, keep them distracted. Yeah, uh, I, the I, whole time I'm just deflecting laser blasts left, right, and center. But I don't know what the long game is because <laughs> I feel like I feel like you could hack a mothership, Steve. I believe in your abilities. Yeah. Well, if not, obviously the backup plan is you distract him with the disc, reflecting lasers and stuff. Yeah, because it's a good item to have. Yeah. 
I run towards the the ship, like back in away with my uh, laptop. Keep saying I'm going to hack things. Get into one of their smaller little ships. Loudly declare that this is pod racing. Take off, <laughs> take off the mothership from within. That would work exactly. So I, I think we've solved so, it. So yeah, uh, big trouble, little China on DVD. A small, and, and a little laptop. out of date laptop. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're having in the apocalypse. Is that a good idea? How do, how do we do? <laughs> I, I, I think you're onto a winner there. I think um, we've covered all bases. We, can, we can't lose. Say, for, for every single situation available. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think I you're, you're going to survive. And, and we'll hopefully yeah. bring about peace. Um, that's a bit, with the power of Kurt Russell. We've got, yeah, we've got, we've got a copy of Big Trouble Little China. That's survived then. So then when you start to rebuild society, that's, that's that we plant that, that's the seed from which all of the popular culture is birthed from Big Trouble Little China. So that's going to be great. And we've got a laptop, so we can order a Domino's online. Yes. So it's sorted. You guys have thought of it all. We're ready. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it involves Big Trouble Little China and, and food, but we're okay. Yeah. We've got, we've got a plan for every situation. <laughs> absolutely sorted well thank you both so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse um it's been it's been an absolute pleasure um and it's uh been been a roller coaster (laughs) thanks sorry (laughs) it's quite all right it's it's just been a lot of fun um and uh yeah um just one more time oh it's quite all right Oh, I mean, great. Matt's made some choices that I'm not happy with, like losing turtles and forcing us to read some horror book that he says he doesn't recommend. <laughs> has to tell everyone about, but we'll go with it. <laughs> um, and yeah, just uh, for the listeners, one more time, where, where can they find you? So uh, please, first and foremost, follow at Bastard Galaxia and go to bastardgalaxia.com where you can read our whole comic for free. We don't even have any copies to sell you right now because we've been too inept to order more but <laughs> we will have physical copies of the book to buy from the website at some point but at the moment you can read the whole thing for free and it's going to get updated with a big fourth chapter in the next month or so um hopefully things go to plan yeah and and uh i'm at robotic steve if you want to see any silly animation or artwork or anything like that that's all i tend to post or rubbish about video games and uh, I'm uh, Sheriff Freak or Sheriff underscore Freak on Instagram and Twitter. And you can check out uh, my other comics, uh, physical comics. You can buy those at mattsimmonscomics.blogspot.com. In fact, if you go to the Twitter for at Bastard Galaxia, that links to both our profiles on Twitter as well in the description. Oh, so easiest way to find So us. we just wasted loads more of your time. So, yeah, forget that. Way. Just go there. <laughs> perfect um, and then uh, do you have any cons coming up this year at all yeah yeah we've got a couple we are going to be at um, you'll be repping us at Thought Bubble uh, yeah we're going be at, I'm going to be at Thought Bubble um, and we will both be at Kendall uh, so Lakes International Comic Art Festival Lakes yeah great awesome um, well uh, I'm probably going to be uh, hopefully coming up to Thought Bubble um, I might not be able to make lakes, but yeah, hopefully if I do make it to uh, to Thought Bubble, I'll, I'll be sure to stop by. Oh, it'll be nice, yeah, come and, uh, come and say hello. Yeah, great stuff. Definitely, excellent. Um, well, again, thank you both so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse. Um, it was a lot of fun, um, and uh, yeah, I hope to see you at a con soon. Great, 
Great stuff. Well, thank you very much. See you, man. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Matt and Steve for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. I had an absolute blast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. And if you'd like to check out Matt and Steve's work, or follow them on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.